Look at the rest. Sugar the Play, a cash team production, is looking for actors and singers to fill several slots for this upcoming live play. For more information, please call 216-394-8926. That's Sugar the Play, auditions at 216-394-8926. Alright, alright. Is everyone here? Ants! Roaches! Yeah, what of it? Rodents! Let's get this cheese! Alright, come on everyone, settle down, settle down, please! Look, we all know why we're here. We'll be eating like queens when we're through with this. That pantry's finally ours! Nobody can stop us now! Charge! No, no, there's no way! It can't be! Old Colony Pest Control, veteran-owned Massachusetts, Rhode Island-based operation with everything you could dream of for your pest needs. Equipped with top-of-the-line gear to guarantee your home is protected and staying healthy. Phone number is 774-400-5993. Give them a call for the backup you need. Tell them that General Red Revere sent you. They handle anything from ants, roaches, ticks, mosquitoes, rats, and more. No wildlife or termites in this time. Hey, hey, watch it, buddy. We're marching. We're marching. tomorrow's shooting where a 15 year old will kill four children two adults and then turn the gun on himself when the shooting starts happening tomorrow first i'll probably just think it's firecrackers or a car backfiring or something he told some of us that his dad kept a gun in his closet and he always talked about using it on you know the people that bullied him tomorrow i'll probably say that i wish i told someone you know after the shooting we're gonna feel pretty bad about picking on him but until then, we'll probably just keep doing it because he's pretty weird. Uh, tomorrow, I'll probably point out that something has seemed off with him since the beginning of the school year. And I'm now joined by the officers who will be the first responders tomorrow. What additional details can you share with us? Well, someone is expected to tell us after the shooting that the shooter has been posting on social media about doing this for weeks. So how will you explain the shooting to your daughter? Actually, I won't get to explain it to her because she won't make it. This is Christine Lynn, reporting from the scene of another shooting. We'll say we never saw coming. What up, everybody? Kevin Jackson here. If you feel the need and you want to get in touch with the hot topics from today's headlines, you got to check out The Booth with Keith Sinister One Hayes. Tell him Kevin Jackson sent you. I'm here at the scene of tomorrow's shooting where a 15-year-old will kill... What up, everybody? Kevin Jackson here. If you feel the need and you want to get in touch with the hot topics from today's headlines, you got to check out The Booth with Keith Sinister One Hayes. Tell him Kevin Jackson sent you. <laughs> 
All right, what's up? It's your boy Sinister One here from the booth. I'm here with the man, wide receiver Julian Edelman, and this is a guy that you know people say, oh, he's the West Welcome. He's this. He's that. To me, he's Julian Edelman. He made a name for himself, and this year is going to be step up here because my feeling is this West Welcome is going to do a lot of rehab. You're going to be that guy. Are you ready to step it up and be that guy that they're going to be looking forward to? Well, I, I hate the word step up because... Um, you step it up all the time. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's what I you know, think you should do as a professional athlete and uh, playing at this level. Uh, you should always be stepping up. I mean, anytime your number's called, you just got to go in there and you got to do what you got to do. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to step up this year. I'm just going to do what I did last year, prepare myself for the best of my ability and... Uh, Hopefully go from there. And I want to give you big props because you stayed out here. You're the last guy out here signing autographs. Kids are still waiting for you. And I'm um, like we said, this season's coming up right out the gate. You got an AFC matchup, and then you got three divisional matchups right off the bat. I mean, the taste in your mouth is going to be ready already for this season. Hey, I'm um, you know I'm hungry uh, for all that. But uh, first, you got training camp. You got to do that. And <laughs> two days. Two days. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I got to work on a lot of things this off season. Uh, I still got to learn the position uh, of receiver, and you know uh, it's going to take a lot of work and preparation, and you know I'm looking forward to that in training camp. And one last question: How's it feel to be heading into training camp and not being a rookie and starting cars for people this year? It feels good, but all these guys hassle you and say game three. That's when you're not a rookie, so I guess I'm still a rookie to these guys. So, you know, all right, Julian, it is. Thanks, man. Hey, no problem. Man. Good luck this season. Take it easy. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is a booth. Broadcasting live from the City of Champions, you will listen to the booth, and I've actually trimmed down my intro there, uh, getting a lot of sponsors, getting a lot of stuff going on, I'm going to be able to get ready to meet the potatoes of the show, and uh, we've got a lot of people in the chat, and I've got a special guest on here, but before I mention my special guest, i got to give a big thanks to last week's special guest, Will Tarashuk, for coming on the show, and Biggers Podcast Solutions. He was on with me last week. We had a great show. Check out the podcast or the podcast on YouTube. But tonight, I'm joined by two guests. Uh, in the second half hour, I've got CEO Michael Albert of Cape Titans Fighting Championships. They've got a big event coming up their 50th event. It's going to be two one day. But we've also got our city councilor at large debate tonight at 8 o'clock. So I got a guy, you know, thanks for coming on here. Kind of planned this a week out. Now we've got this debate, so I want to make sure we get this in Mr. Michael Nunes is on the show with us tonight. He's a candidate for counselor at large. And the debate is tonight, 8 o'clock. Michael, please introduce yourself. Let people know uh, who you are and why you're running. Yeah, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show, Mr. Hayes. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank you for that. Also, you know, my name is Michael Nunes, obviously, as you just said. 
I'm running because as a 30-year-old resident born and raised in Brockton, I don't, like I tell everyone, I don't plan on moving up the city anytime soon. I actually see myself retired in the city of Brockton, city of champions. So in order for me to be comfortable and retire in city champions, I got to make it livable, not just for me, but for all the other residents. Like I tell everyone all the time, we have to work together to make a better community for everyone. And that's why I really run it, because I think I'm a strong candidate with my background, you know, helping people with my mindset, you know, learning that, knowing the history of the city and how we prosper to be what we are today. I think I'm a strong candidate. Nice, nice, nice. So when we get into the news booth, because I've got some questions in the news booth that I want to bring to you as a city council. I know you've got this debate that we want to get to. But first of all, i got to mention that the booth is now seen on two more networks, DLive and the Lawn Live networks. So now we out there streaming to these guys. Also, big shout out to Paul Forrest, the big fan of the show. Paul Forrest suffered uh, a heart issue and had a, a bypass, a big triple bypass. He's at Beth Israel Hospital. He's headed off to rehab. He is a big super fan of the show. He's been following the show from day one. So I want to give prayers, blessings, healing prayers to Paul Forrest, man. Everybody here, beyond free, everybody here is hoping that things go well. Michael Douglas Moretto is one of my sponsors of the show. Need a controller fix for your Xbox, your PlayStation. Send it out to him within 24 hours. He's got you back to gaming. If the same problem pops up on your controller, you send it out. It's a lifetime warranty. I'm a huge gamer. Everybody knows that. Also, my recording artist, Bianca Marie, she's on all streaming sites everywhere. Make sure to check her music out. Tactical Target Systems, as you guys know, I'm in fear of the zombie apocalypse. When I go down to the range, I want to practice and get myself right for the zombie apocalypse. So, Tactical Target Systems is where I get my zombie targets to see. RebelRomp.com, that's my cousin's clothing line. Check out her website for clothing there. And as you guys saw, Veteran Home, Carbonell's Old Colony Pest Control. Give me a call if you got pest control problems. Like I said, we'd like to support our veterans here. Now let's get into the news booth, because Mr. Michael Newton, I got some questions for you coming up right now. Before I get into this, 2021 Aftermath. You can talk about this if you know a little bit about it. Um, Aftermath is a company that does our trauma and um, cleanup and um, crime scene they put together this grant for $25,000, a canine grant. Brockton is part of this contest. Tonight is the last night to vote. I know there were a lot of people upset, which I thought was kind of stupid, because we had added uh, several canine dogs to the unit. We're up to four, maybe five canine units on the police force right now. Uh, we actually had two dogs go deceased. Um, and I think that the canine dogs, canine unit, uh, are are a plus for this city. So, your thoughts on this, and I want to make sure everybody gets out there, heads over to the half and half uh, site and fill up the screen. Real quick, yeah, can you speak on the K9? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree. And I actually, vote, I actually voted for uh, one of those canines. I forgot which one it was, but I believe we have more than one to vote, right? Yes. Gentlemen. <clears throat> okay, yeah. So I don't remember which one I vote, but I agree. Kilo. You should have canines. Kilo. Kilo. That's yes. the one. That's yep. the one. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I voted for him, but... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I wanted to explain the importance of the K-9 dogs in this area and what they bring to the people. Yeah, of course. Um, for criminals, especially, I'm pretty sure a criminal will rather get bitten by a dog than shot by a bullet. Am I correct? Right? So, if we if we have more dogs to patrol with police officers and they got to use that as a first tactical aggression method, that'll be better off than firing the bullet. You know, um, it's sad. It's, it's, you know, and obviously we don't want the dogs to get hurt. You know, when they go attack these criminals, but 
most criminals know if you attack the dog, it's like you're attacking Robbie or something. Usually, they don't attack the dog. So I think, you know, the canine's way better than the, obviously than using the guns as a first response method. But obviously, it comes to the budget. Can we afford to get more dogs? Can we afford, you know, you gotta, you gotta feed these dogs, you gotta take care of them, you gotta, you know, nurture them, just like having a pet. And it, and it is like, and the dog is a partner. People don't realize that when the yeah. dog becomes with a, with an officer, that's his partner. Um, they bring the dog home. You know, they live with the dog. The dog is, you know, in the kennel, but you know, they do build that relationship. So that's good exactly. to see. So guys, it's the last night. Please vote 2021 aftermath K9 grant twenty five thousand dollars to feed the Germans if Brockton wins. Kilo um, all types of stuff. It's a good look. Need it. And um, hear or see any music in the background? Okay, no, everybody's in the chat. People are saying they can hear me. They said spooky music is playing in the Oh, that's probably that's probably your drop. Oh, my my background. Yeah, my background is probably playing some type of spooky music. And let me get rid of that. <laughs> but they can hear us. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, thank you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, also, let's get into this meat of this topic right now. Brockton High, 712. Yep, I shut it off, guys. Brockton High has had some issues, and it's not just Brockton High. It's a lot of places across the country um, is seeing this problem. Now, what pisses me off about this is that people are saying that it's because the kids were cooped up for a year under COVID, and they're having a hard time. No, no, stop it. Stop it. People know how to act when they get their asses in school. I'm tired of hearing that cop-out. Now... The principal has been replaced. Metal detectors have been added. No more backpacks. But something had to be done. And here's the thing. This was building from day one at Brockton High. We saw this. Oh, Michael, where'd you go? <laughs> this was building oh, yeah, from sorry. day one. This was building from day one at Brockton High. We seen it. We saw the stories. And one of the first things we saw was a lot of kids sharing social media of things that were going on in the school. And it was pissing me off because I'm like, okay, I'm a parent. My kids are out of high school, but I did know to check my kid's social. If my kid has a social media account, I'm checking his account. I've got his passwords. I'm making sure that my kid's not doing licks and stealing sinks out of the school. I'm making sure that my kid's not doing this and not doing that. That's the big problem with a lot of these kids today that that's hard for some of these teachers because a lot of parents, let's be real, they ain't parenting no more. A lot of parents aren't parenting no more. A lot of parents are friends before being parents. When kids got in trouble in school, parents would show up. Your kid would get in trouble. You go home and you got your ass whooped. Now parents come to the school and they want to defend mm -hmm. their kid a hundred thousand times when their kid is one of the worst kids in the school. So my feeling is, is we need people to step up and just start parenting their kids. Your thoughts on that? Because I feel like that's that's one of the parts of Brockton High's problem is people don't want to parent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it starts at home, like everyone knows that. It starts at home, you know? And that, that excuse, like you said, is not, it's not an excuse that they can use COVID, whatever, so they've been stuck at home for a year. 
if that was the case, they should have been more obedient because you had a whole year to make that apparent them. So that it was at home, you should know how they act exactly. So we gotta stop with the excuses. We gotta stop with the crying. Listen, I'm I, I'm gonna say exactly how it is. People are like, oh, we don't want our schools to look like prisons. Well, I don't want my school to look like a morgue either. So That's it's right. either or. We have we need metal detectors. The principal that came from uh, the champion school, great for her. She's doing a great job, and she proven day one. She proven herself, and I'm proud of her because you know I went to Brockton High. I know how it was. I'm not gonna sit here and say I was a good kid. I got myself in trouble, and guess what? Like you said, when I went home, I got my ass whipped. You know, <laughs> that's how it is. I got handled, and what it is too. These parents, I don't know what it is, but they're scared. I think they're scared, like a uh, 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 a knock in the head or something. That's not going to get no, that's not child abuse. They really got to see what child abuse is, child abuse is, you know? Burning the kid's hand on the oven is child abuse. That's right. Knocking him across the head is not child abuse. You know, there's a limit. And people are afraid of parent. Like you said, they're afraid of parent. But it starts at, at home before they go to school. And people don't realize this, but if you were to call DCF, corporal punishment is allowed. You can spank your kid. A lot of people think, oh, I can't spank my kid. Yes, you can. You can still spank your kid. Yeah, I hear that. Kid. Especially especially the Cape Verdean culture, immigrants that come, they're, they're scared. A lot of them, you know, they're scared because they're probably scared their kids will might just call themselves, you know, or go to school and complain that their parents hit them. Then you got DSS at your house and all that stuff, you know. Wow, yeah, it, it's crazy stuff. But again, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing. They've replaced the principal. The principal from the champion school is now at Brockton High School. Hopefully, I wish her a lot of luck. But again, she needs help from the parents. That's first and foremost. I see people on Facebook. I see people talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, first and foremost, stop acting up. If you know your kid is on social media, like like this whole incident that brought the lockdown, the young man had took a picture with a with a magazine clip in his pants, and then he posted it to TikTok. He's a young kid. His parents should be monitoring his social media. If his parents were monitoring his social media, that post of him with that magazine clip would have never been reported. It would have been pulled down over the weekend, and his ass would have been whooped if that was my kid. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And that's where I say yeah. You know, that it just and it's not even just the violent stuff. It's the sexual stuff. It's the young girls on TikTok. It's the young girls. And and now you've got some of these young mothers with their young daughters on these TikToks. It's just sheer craziness, craziness. So I got to I got to really commend you on that one, because that's that is going to be a big problem for anybody who gets in any of the city councilors, whoever ends up getting voted in this Brockton high issue for me. I feel like is, it isn't going away. No, the, the problem with these counselors is they're afraid to speak the truth. They want to pander for votes. I'm not here to pander. I'm telling you how it is. You don't like it too bad. You like it, vote for me. That's how it is. You know, I'm not going to pander for nobody. I'm going to say how it is. These parents got to parent their kids more better. Now, all the other students are suffering. Two-hour right. wait. I don't agree with the two-hour wait line. Of course not. But sometimes you have to do what you have to do to make the safe environment. And now that statement is sent to all these parents to see that two-hour wait. Now you're going to go and parent your kids better so that two-hour wait won't happen no more. That's right. That's right. And moving on, because I know you got to get out of here to get to this debate. Let's get into this last topic. Ending homelessness in Brockton. Old Hotel sees new life as apartments for homeless. So if you guys didn't hear the story, Father Bill's Mainspring House has purchased the roadway in, and they've also purchased the old National Guard building behind the VA, which is now going to take up some of that 
homeless congestion over by Father Main, Father um, Father Bill's Mainspring House, and bring some of those people over there to provide them with adequate housing for their, you know, for those family situations. I get it. I love it. I hate homelessness, but the problem with homelessness is, is that. You house them, you get them off the streets during the night, but then in the daytime, you unleash these people back onto the streets, and then you end up with places like Needle Park, or you end up with places like Methanol Mile. I know those people in those in that ward over there by the roadway in and over behind the VA, they're not going to want that mess and that foolishness over in that side of town over there. And I get it because, you know... I, I work with Paul Revere. Paul Revere Transportation has a facility that's located over on Mass Ave that was once a Best Western Hotel, that round building. Guess what happened? COVID hit. Best Western went out of business. They sold that building to the Pine Street Inn. The Pine Street Inn opened up to homeless people. And it what ended up happening? It just dumped a thousand more people on Methanol Mile to where it's a friggin' epidemic right now. We don't want that. We don't want that here in that side of town. Go ahead, sir. So, yeah, that program that they had there is horrible. That pine in Boston is horrible. Father Bills, listen, I was I was against them for a long time for having that main spring in downtown. Now, uh, you know, I praise them for what they're doing now because this is exactly what they're doing. The roadway in is permanent housing. So it's not like, you know, it's mm. housing. So it's it's actual housing. You go there, you apply, and it's not just for women because I know a lot of men are homeless, and people understand that. Men for the programs is rare for us to get approved for these programs. Father Bill noticed that and they're helping out a lot. So it's permanent housing at the roadway in, because I went to the meeting in the, the old national guard building right there by West Chestnut across the street from Nissan 24 and all that Paramount flooring. Mm -hmm. um, that is going to be extended. It's going to be, it's going to be an add on. They're going to use the old part and they're going to add on and it's going to be programs. going to have the medical care in there. They're going to have job search. They're going to have, Everything you can think of, they're going to have the common room and it's not going to be like in and out. It's the same thing. It's another housing program. So over there, it's 98 beds. Roadway is 100 something. This is way more than enough for them with the homeless we have already. So it's for the homeless we have already plus more, which is kind of like, eh, well, we're trying to get more. But regardless, they're going to come because I see how Brockton is, homeless central, and they come. But Father Bill's doing a great thing. They're changing it. And they're going to sell that building, the old Mainspring, which was an old commercial club for the prestige people of Brockton, for the rich mm -hmm. and elite. You know, they're going to sell that. Brockton, you know, if I win, if I get elected, I will tell Brock, City of Brockton to purchase that building and make it the new museum. That's my goal with that building. And you gotta, yeah, you got to change it. So we're at 720. Um, we got a lot of people in the chat. I see John Hayes in the chat. I see my brother in the chat. I see Viana Marie in the chat. I see a lot of people from Brockton, the city of Brockton, in the chat. Thank you for tuning into the show. Michael, I know you got to get this uh, debate going at 8 o'clock, so I don't want to leave you late. Just tell people how they can follow you and support you and, and you know your candidacy. Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Michael Noons for Brockton at Council, uh, Council at Lodge you know, on Facebook. Or you can just go to write my website, uh, noonsforbrockton.com. And my contact number is 774-581-1533. You can text me or call me that number. I always answer. And there's one thing I just else want to say. I'm having an event, my final event, October 28th from 7 to 11 p.m. Everybody's welcome to come. I want as much people to show up. I'm going to have a formal speech. I'm going to talk about my candidacy. I'm going to... I'm going to get, you know, answers and questions for whoever want to ask questions. I got the answers for. So, again, that's October 28th from 7 to 11 at the perfect place in Brockton, Massachusetts.
Nice, nice, nice. And you got, I got one question because everybody comes on this show. They know I'm fair. They know I had Gary Keith on two weeks ago, who's also in the chat. Gary Keith shared some personal conversation with me. Before we let you get out of here, I got to ask you a question about the Cape Verde community real quick. Um, a while back, we just had an incident in the Cape Verde community where a young man was killed by, as we all would say, he was racist. He had a, he had his Nazi armband on. He shot a young Cape Verdean man who played soccer, lost his life. Our prayers and blessings went out to that family. And there was a lot of outrage. There was a little, a lot of people upset about this murder. And I get it. I was upset too. But also in the Cape Verde community, we've also seen over the many, many years in the city of Brockton, we've seen in the, in the black community too, because I've questioned this in the black community myself. We've seen cases of violence outside the nightclubs and stuff like that. The question that I ask my black people that I got to ask you as you represent the Cape Verde community, why do we not have that same upset crowd when we have killings within our own community? What do we need to do to change that? Well, I tell you, with the Cape Verde community, we're still, everybody's still close. We're, you know, independence from 1970, mm -hmm. small community, everybody's so close. So usually it's kind of odd. But when a Cape Verdean kills a Cape Verdean, they're related by far. So there's not that outrage because you're really not going to be aunts not going to be mad at another aunt or the uncles are going to be mad at the second uncle or the third uncles are going to be mad at the first uncle. They're going to be mad, but what are you, what are you going to do? You know, it's family killing family with the Cape Verdeans, and it's embarrassing. You know, Whoa. obviously I'm, I speak, I speak, I speak. It's not direct. It's not like first cousins, first cousins, but well, you know, we're still all so close. Anybody with the noons, you to ask where I'm from, my parents are from. You know, they're, oh, we're related because they're from the same thing. So. It's sad. It's sad. You know, oh, man. Well, I never, this is that. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I have people want to have to ask the question because I've never heard that before. I've heard everybody you know? go tiptoe. I've heard everybody tiptoe around that question. So please finish. Yeah. So when you got you got Ricardo Gomes and, you know, another Gomes, uh, you know, that's killing each other. It happens. It happened in the past. I know this myself. Cousins killing second cousins or third. Sometimes they don't even know their family. Third cousin, you know, they're related by the third cousin from this person, from this person. So when Samantha, when the aunt named Samantha or whatever her name is, can't really yell at the other aunt because their family, like, oh, you're, it's just, it's an awkward situation. That's what it comes down to. <sighs> very, you know, it's very awkward. You know, so, so you, it's really so when you have these but, cases of in, these incidents, you have to live with this, this stigma in your community and within the families where someone may know something, but you just can't because it's a family. That Wow, that is a crazy dynamic. And it, ha never, it, it, I, happen, I, it happens, but it happens a lot. I'm not saying it happens every time. Of course not, yep, but it happens but it, a lot. First right. of all, it happens way more often than it should. You know, anybody killing anybody. Wow. I, look, I applaud you, man, for coming on because you answered the question that I, I never heard this answer. Everybody tiptoes around it. And it does explain some of this craziness that we do see, and I respect you. But, sir, again, I want to thank you for coming on this show. I know you got to get out of here. you got to get to this debate, um, and I wish you luck. A lot of good people running for this councilor seat um, this year, uh, good people. So, um, again, let them know how they can follow you and find you. Yeah, you can call me, contact me, direct number, 774-581-1533. You can visit noonsforbrockton.com. Or you can follow me on my Facebook, Michael Noons for City Councilor at Large, right on Facebook. And again, my uh, event's coming up October 28th at the Perfect Place from 7 to 11 p.m. Hope everybody shows up. Okay, man. And we're going to get ready to get you out of here. I got a lot of people in chat posting stuff. I saw John Hayes posting something about a Mike Stevenson, but I'm not sure what that's all about. 
Um, ask him if he was allowed to be disrespectful. Don't know anything about that. Um, but we're going to take a quick break, guys. I got my second guest coming up. It's going to be Michael Paul Vera, CEO of Cage Titans. And I've got a world premiere video, guys. You guys have been seeing it. It's ha Happy Halloween. My guys, the Merkins, big fan of the Merkins slash Street Boys. They just released a new video for Halloween last night. And this one is their parody of Backstreet Boys. Keep slaying teens in the dark. Enjoy it. We'll be back with more Booth after this. For 15 years, thank you, I've been obsessed to find out what was going on inside of him.
everybody, it's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth. I got to thank my last guest for coming on here, Michael Nunes. Uh, Michael Nunes, he had to get off because he's got his debate that's coming up. A lot of people in the chat hanging on. My next special guest is on with me, as you guys see over here. This is a familiar, familiar, familiar face uh, from the MMA community here in Massachusetts. For a while here, we had like three or four promotions, Cage Titans, is pretty much the only one around here right now uh, holding it down. And Mike, man, introduce yourself. Let these people know, man. I, I could come on here and just be like, yeah, this, this is a guy. Let them know, man. Tell them the whole so, spiel. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I got a shout out first, the City of Champions. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, but I uh, grew up in Brockton. Um, so I'm also, I actually lived in Pine Estates growing up. I went to oh. Hancock Elementary. Uh <laughs> My my first job was McDonald's on Belmont Street, right across from the high school. Uh, I worked there from 14 to 16. Um, shit, my first management job was the finish line inside of um, inside the Westgate Mall. Yeah, that's going was, back. Yeah. That's going yeah, way so, back. Yeah, so it's so funny because I, I oddly enough I remember. Uh, so somebody stole a pair of sneakers out of the, the finish line when I was managing there. And I was a manager in training at the time and I followed him out to his car and I got the sneakers back and I came back and I, and I, I showed them the manager that I was training on there. I was like, Oh, I, I got the sneakers back. This kid was standing. He's like, what are you doing? We're in Brockton. He's like, you don't right. do that shit. You don't follow guys. I said, listen, I'm from Brockton. I don't give a shit. I was like, I'll follow the guy to his car. I was like, trust me, I'm, I'm good. And uh, so that was a fun story back in, uh, you know, back in my day in Brockton. Um, I played Brockton hockey. I played hockey for Brockton. Um, so, yeah, so I got a little connection with you there. But, yeah, Cage Titans, I mean, we started back in 2010. Um, I was a fighter before this. I mean, growing up, I was always kind of um, – I was never afraid to, like, throw hands, I guess you would say. Right, uh, right. You know, growing up in Brockton, you, you find yourself throwing hands every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was always an athlete playing uh, sports growing up. And then uh, – um, and I want to say 2007, I found MMA – 2008 somewhere around there i started fighting and then my background at the time i'm, I'm i was a marketing sales guy as a director of marketing for uh mr tux um and i was a regional sales manager there <laughs> sorry man um so basically um i was fighting for promotions and i said i think i can do this better you know my i i had a i fell in love with mma and i saw what other guys were doing and i and i and i thought that i had a i had a better formula and I thought we could promote fighters better. I thought our marketing could be better than what other shows were doing at the time. Um, I remember <laughs> when I when I first fought. I say this a lot of times. You're, you're you're a little older, like I am. And if you remember yellow construction paper, I remember my first fight. I got a word document printed on that like bright astro bright construction paper, and that was what the promoter gave me. And I was like, what the f is this? And um, <laughs> You know, some of my fighters nowadays, they're like, what's construction paper? I'm like, ah, you're too young for that. Right, but, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was that was my my experience for my first first fight promotion that I fought for. So I went home and I made my own fight posters and I got my own pictures and I, I, I did it all myself. And then, you know, um, I realized I was a little later in life. I, my first fight, I think, was 28. So mm -hmm. I, I knew I wasn't going to really go too far in the sport, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought that I could uh, – you know, help out the MMA community by, by, by starting my own promotion. And I worked at Lombardo's in Randolph and I was the operations manager there. And we did a couple shows 
with a different promoter. And uh, as the story goes, you know, you hear some horror stories of bad promoters, you know, uh, you know, being kind of shady tactics. And the owners were like, we love doing this MMA event, but we didn't really like that promoter who was here, who bounced checks. He ripped off a couple fighters and did some bad things. And uh, they said, but we think we can do it without him. We have the venue, Mike. You have the background. Let's see what can happen. So in 2010, we got our promoter license and matchmaker license. And here we are 11 years later, and we got Cage Titans 50 coming up next uh, Saturday night. Unbelievable. And I've been in this Boston area for, for a long time. I've been following MMA. I've been following UFC, and I've told this story many times. I've been a fan of MMA since UFC 2. Um, I remember sharing Starcase videos of Keith Hackney and, and, and guys like Chemo and all these guys that developed what MMA is today you know tank was one of my most favorite guys to and thankfully thank god i was able to meet tank in person at a local event one time and, and he was like my favorite mma guy but then a guy like dan severin comes along who was well-rounded and changed the whole entire sport because he had all of these different genres of mixed martial arts in his repertoire and um it was just nice to see the sport evolve and here you are doing a boston first you're gonna host this mega event for your 50th event you're going to have an event in the daytime an event in the nighttime and i know what goes on behind the scenes i need to know first of all how did you get the commission to sign off on on this doing two events in one day when they usually used to kind of shy away number one two and two how was everybody open to getting their fighters on board for both of these events i mean it, schools must have been right away yeah we're gonna help this guy out yeah so it's funny so on one note when you talk about going back in the day i i tell this story too like my my early memories of mma was watching uh ufc pay-per-views on my friend's black box in his basement <laughs> yep. and kids nowadays they're like what's a black box i'm like uh, that's how you used to illegally stream stuff back in the day right? uh, but uh yeah you know so right before covid um we were scheduled to do April 3rd and April 4th. We were actually going to do back-to-back -back nights. Um, and then obviously COVID shut everything down. And I've seen that all these fighters have been on the sidelines for the last year and a half when there was no events. So when I came back in July, we pretty much did an almost all pro card because there really wasn't, because there was no fights going on. There was no really avenue for the amateurs. So they kind of stopped training a little bit during COVID. But mm -hmm. the pros were on the sidelines hoping to get to the UFC because, like, let's be real, a, a bunch of the pros need to fight professionally locally to get the experience to move on to the UFC. Correct. Um, and then the UFC was the first sport to stop putting shows on during, you know, during the COVID pandemic. So these pro fighters started training and hoping that they would get a call to the UFC. So when we opened the doors back up in July 10th, we had so many pro fighters ready to go. And my first priority was getting the pros back in action because a lot of those guys this is their only job like the amateur fighters you know some of them have jobs or they're right out of high school or in college and whatever and you know they're doing other things and they're doing fighting to see if they like it a lot of our professional fighters this is their job if they don't fight they don't get paid um their goals are to get up to the next level so they're in a standstill so our july card was a lot of pros and then in august we still had a lot of pros and we started seeing the amateurs come back to the, to the mix. So when this show happened, um, you know, long winded is we had a bunch of pros that wanted to fight 
and I had about 12 pro fights and I said, well, if I do one event, I don't have any room to put amateurs. I can't, I don't right, want to do it. Right, right. A 30 fight card. So I didn't want to shut down the amateurs. And I, I basically, I kicked around the idea of doing the day night double header or doing back to back nights like we planned pre COVID. And, mm -hmm. um, I got some feedback from the fighters. I got some feedback from the schools and they all were kind of, Hey, we like the idea of just going to Plymouth one day, spending the day there, yeah. doing a whole day yeah. fight festival. Um, the commission, they were a little leery because as you know, you know, they, yep. they like to only do one event a weekend usually. So not only am I trying to get them to do one, you know, more than one event in a weekend, we're getting them to do one more than one event in one day. Um, but you know, uh, the way you package it to them, they, they, it's, do you want to do one big event? You know, Keith, you remember the day CFX days where they do a fight card with 25, 30 fights. Mm -hmm. and right. It, yeah. We're there all said, day. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, we can do one event and I'll do 25 fights in one day, but the commission and all the judges and all the refs and all these people, it gets treated as one event. So they only get paid for one event. That's I right. said, I'm giving these guys an opportunity to treat it as two events. So a judge, for instance, a judge gets $250 to, from the commission to judge. Well, now they're going to do two events and they're going to get $500. 500, yeah. You know? So, it, it, you know, for me, I just thought it made a lot of sense for everybody involved. Yes, it's a long day, but they're kind of getting compensated. Um, that was one, that was kind of the avenue I took with the athletic commission. I said, yeah, you know, if you come down here on Friday and you drive down to Plymouth, all the gas money, the parking um, in Plymouth to make your money, then go home and then drive and do it all again on Saturday. Why not just drive here once, do exactly. it all on the same day, yeah. pay to park once, you know, and, and do that. So um, it took a little convincing, but here we are. They finally, and, you know. And the other argument is, is if you had a competitor and they had a, a, an event scheduled the next night, they would be doing this, driving out to this other event. So it makes sense. It just makes, to me, yeah. I feel like it's a win-win. Um, you know, schools, they have to bring supplies and all this stuff on that day it, it's a kind of a no-brainer to have this this special double-headed and doing it two nights i think you really set the tone for something special for this yeah so you know the other thing was is you know and as i'm packaging it to them i said to them well if we do friday saturday you're gonna have to come to plymouth on thursday for weigh-ins for the yeah. friday show you're gonna have to come friday morning for weigh-ins for the saturday show you're gonna have to come back friday night for the fights <laughs> and then you're gonna have to come back on saturday night for the fights then I go, what are we really arguing? Why are we spinning our ties? This should right. be a no-brainer. Um, and uh, and here we are. And, and for me, being our 50th event, I mean, it, it's really special. This 50th event was supposed to be last year during COVID. And, I, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't know if we'd ever make it back doing live events at, through this COVID uh, mm -hmm. pandemic. And um, so it's really special to me that with such a monumental event, what, what we went through over the past year and a half with the pandemic, you know, the community has really come out with open arms and, and welcoming the cage Titans, uh, you know, fighters and family and all that stuff. Um, it, it, it's, it's been tremendous. I mean, we've sold out both shows. Um, the fighters are just so ecstatic to get back in there. This, our first show back in July sold out in a record, like five days. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've never, you, you've been around the sport for a long time. Like yeah, most yeah. shows will sell tickets at the doors and we've sold out before, but never 
four weeks before an event and only five days after the sales, the tickets have been on sale. So the community is hungry to get back out there and support their friends and family. And, and, and the community has been great. The fighters been great. I'm just excited to be celebrating. I thought, you know, I thought when I fought, it was going to be one fight and never be involved in MMA again. And then one fight turned into two. Then I fought three times. Then I fought four times. Then it was like, all right, we're going to do an event as cage Titans. And I did one event and then two. And then here we are 11 years later, 50 events in the bag. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's emotional for me because it's really changed the course of my life in the last 11 years. I get a, I get a chill because I remember getting invited out to coops. The first yes. kickoff event was at Coops in Quincy, and I remember yep. the place was packed. And yeah. you got and you guys were like, "Wow!" You guys were just kind of blown away at this attention because MMA was just really starting to take off. Um, you know, it was starting to get approved in all these different states. And um, I remember going down to Coops that first night, and you know, a lot of people who knew me from KJFX at that time, um, yeah, they were like, "You know, this is this is keep an eye on these guys." And I've been watching you guys do your events, and you're, you guys have been class acts also, doing good events. I was lucky enough to be able to do ring announcer for you one night, and it was a, it was a great time down there in Plymouth. And I've always said this: Plymouth Memorial Hall is the best place to see an MMA fight. And I know a lot of people like to be on the floor, <clears throat> and I'm usually cage side. I'm usually in the cage. Yeah. But I'm just telling people to be up in that upper level, just above the cage. For me, is the best seats in the house. I, I love mixed martial arts. I love the ground game. I've had people tell me I hate mi watching mixed martial arts because I can't stand when it slows down and it's the ground game. And I had a guy sit with me, a Brockton cop, Frank Zanowski. He came with me. I said, look, trust and believe me. The ground game is where the strategy is. When we're sitting by the cage, watch the ground game. Watch the jujitsu. Watch all of this other stuff. It's not about the upstanding. I said, the battles that are really on the ground – and you could attest to that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because, like, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent in, in, in the art of stand-up and all that stuff, you know, as well. But, like, I can close – if you and I stood in front of each other, we can both close our eyes and swing our fists as hard as we can. And, you, you know, one of us is going to go down, whatever one connects first. You mm -hmm. know, the, I, I said it – it's funny. I said it this weekend to my wife when we were talking about the fights that were going on in the UFC this past weekend. I was like, you don't really find a lucky submission. You know, you don't really get that doesn't happen. You can catch a lucky punch. You can catch catch a lucky kick. The shin just happened. You know, the guy leaned into a, a knee or he, you know, he was leaning the wrong way and he got kicked. You know, you can catch, catch some of those things that are lucky. You don't really catch a lucky guillotine. You don't catch a lucky arm bar. You Come know, on, so there's man. a lot of skill and technique uh, that is involved. So it's it's nice to hear that you you do appreciate it because, you know, the casual fan they want to see the close their eyes slug in the center of the cage. But the beauty of some of the sport is that the other aspects of it, the, the, the cage work, the takedowns and, 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 the, and the sport as a whole. And you've got slippy Peter Barrett on this card. You got a lot of good fighters on this card. You've got the ladies on this card. And the funny thing is, look, I got to applaud you. I got to applaud all the independent MMA guys real quick, real personal yeah. MMA, because to be honest, if it wasn't for you guys, the independent promoters, you guys wouldn't have made Dana White the biggest hypocrite in MMA because he was adamant about not having women fight in MMA. And he admits this. He said if it wasn't for going out to the schools and the independent yeah. shows and seeing the amount of women fighting on cards such as Cage Titans 
or training yeah. in schools across America and then starting to see that success come up through strike force, he was never going to have women in the UFC. And now we have women because of promoters like you who took that chance and saw all these girls coming up through the schools. And, and I want you to kind of touch base on the women. Cause you know, and sometimes yeah. look, sometimes the women put on a good show. Sometimes they it, get it, the asses out the seats, man. It's so funny. You say that because like, it's so true. Like, um, oddly enough, the number one, I would say the number one question I get when I'm like, Oh yeah. When's your next show? I'm like, Oh yeah, it's next weekend. Oh, you got any girl fights on the card? I'm like, actually we do. And it's so funny. Like how many woman fights you have? Oh yeah. Two of them or three of them. It's like, Oh cool. Well, I remember this one time the girls fought and it was and they, like, they just like, I don't know what it is. Uh, like, and it's, it's an intriguing thing because you know, you follow a lot of sports and, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying that women's sports across the board aren't super popular, but like, you know, you don't go to an NBA game and they're like, Oh, I, I is there a, a woman playing in this? Right, or like, right. you know, the WNBA, you know, is not as pop. There's, there's a reason that sometimes the women's sports aren't, whatever the reason is, I don't know, but there's a reason why that the women's sports aren't necessarily as popular as their male counterparts. And whether that's right or wrong, I'm not here to debate. I know that oh, yeah. that's no. been debated, you know, in equal pay in the soccer teams and all that stuff, but it is, is what it is for me now being in sports with K Chads, I will hands down tell every male fighter who fights for me. The number one question I get is how many women fights are on it? How many women fights are on this card? That's the number one question. And it, and it blows me away. And, and you're right. A lot of the times, I don't know what it is about a woman fighting maybe it's the fact that you don't see it often so it's it's more like intrigue mm -hmm. um whether the pure emotion because sometimes i feel that women are uh, you know they're not afraid to show emotions you know for a guy fighting is i'm a badass and you know they, they, they don't show too much emotion but women are are more emotional by nature and maybe because the pure raw emotion, you can see it in their face more. You can mm -hmm. see it in the lead up and, and you can maybe connect to that maybe more. I, I don't know what it is, but you hit the nail on the head. You know, Dana was like, no way. But I tell you right now, there's a reason why that there's at least one woman fight on every main card the UFC has now. And when then, and, years and ago that he said no. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest because before Ronda Rousey, before Gina Carano, the really only female athletes that I used to talk about know is Jenny Finch, the softball player, Flo Joe, yep. the track runner. But now you start talking about professional female sports stars, everybody's going to just start rattling off female yep. UFC stars because that's it, that's it. And for a while there, two years ago, to be honest, two years ago, UFC was carried by the women's division about two years ago because they had a yep. ton of injuries in that men's division. Um, a, a ton of a ton of real bad injuries to champs and stuff, and the women's they carried it. We wouldn't have seen the Penas yeah. and all of these ladies who are up there yeah. right now if it wasn't for that two years ago. So, well, Ronda Rousey, you. yeah, Ronda Rousey. Like you know, you know when something's big when the cat. And I say, you know, a casual fan will ask me when I say when the next show is. They'll ask, well, how many women fights? A casual fan when you mention MMA. Years ago, they would bring up Ronda Rousey. You know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's them. Oh, do you think you beat up Ronda Rousey? And it's like, uh, well, it, it, you know, <laughs> that was like the number one question you get as a male guy. And it's like, oh, do you think he, but casuals talked about him. The casuals talk about Conor McGregor now. Like when you say MMA, they're like, oh, Conor McGregor. So I, I think the crossover appeal 
is kind of that. And I, I and it's odd to say, but right now, you know, you were right. Women's fighting, Ronda Rousey kind of ushered it in. And now a lot of people are like, how many women are fighting? Ooh, I, I want to see that woman fight. Um, and, and, and the casual fan is very much into it. And it's, and it's, and it's interesting. And it's good to see for female sports, you know, um, you know, there's so many other female sports and maybe that uh, women's MMA is so popular now that people will start looking and maybe the rise in popularity. Cause once, once it rises in one sport, you'll see the trickle down to the other sports and they will rise um, as well. So it, it could be great for all, all women's sports. Now, uh, before we let you get out of here and get ready to promote your event, I'm going to have you take your shoes off and put on the Dana White shoes of UFC. The Dana White shoes. Now, this is a real serious. This is a real serious question coming at you. Um, you're probably going to have to think about. You're 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 in Dana White shoes. You're the guy that controls what goes on. Well, he's he's not controlling, but he does have that say. He does have a lot of stuff that he's a big decision maker for the UFC. And you're going to put those shoes yep. on right now. One of the biggest problems that I have with Dana White in the UFC is giving certain fighters third, fourth, and fifth chances. So we've got this situation here with John Jones. We've got this situation here with McGregor, where he's now assaulted three people, and now he's admitting to have this substance abuse with cocaine and stuff. When does a promoter, when do you feel a promoter finally has to say, okay, I understand you put asses in the seat. I get it. You're putting money in my pocket. But when does the time come when the legal issues become so much that you got to say, because John Jones is done. His his school already dumped him. As yeah. a promoter, when do you say enough is enough as a promoter? Oh, man, that's it's so funny. When you first said you got to take off your shoes, I'm like, what kind of, like, is this a game we're playing? I almost bent down and took off my shoes. But uh, <laughs> I literally, in the as you were spitting it out, I'm like, you want me to take off my shoes? All right. But uh, anyways... It, you know, that's, it's such a tough thing to say, you know, and, and, and it's a great question. I will, I will tell you this. I've been in situations a few times locally and um, I won't name names, but I had a fighter that I found out had some drug problems and, you know, I, I was kind of oblivious to it, but some people pointed it out to me and, and, and I basically said to him, all right, if you want to fight for me again, it's not mandatory, but I'm going to make you send me a clean drug, drug test. If you want to, if you want to fight for me in next show and, uh, you know, sadly, I, it kind of gets me sad thinking about it. He sent me a table full of drugs and says, now nah, good. I'm all set. And, uh, he never fought for me again. And, uh, you know, he still, I still check in on him. He seems to be doing okay, but you know, uh, every scenario is different. So I can't really, I, I don't know every scenario about Conor McGregor and John Jones. I know what I read in the media, but I've been put in difficult situations where I've had to mm -hmm. say, yeah, I want this guy to fight for me, but I have some sort of obligation, higher obligation than just throwing him in there. Cause he's going to sell some tickets and make some money. Like it, it's very, very difficult. Um, and, and it's not even Dana White. You see it in all sports. I mean, you, you cover all sports. Yep, if it happened right. in the NFL, you know, you know, the Ray Rice issue years ago, that one sticks mm -hmm. out to me, you know, Adrian Peterson, who supposedly hit his kid or whatever, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, there's three sides, to every story, my side, your side and the truth. So how much of it is true? How much it is, is it is fabrication? How much of it lies in the middle? Every situation's unique. 
so it's hard for me to say how would I judge because like maybe like Chuck Liddell, think about this. I don't know if you saw in the news. Chuck Liddell, it came yep, out just recently. Yeah, three he weeks just ago. Got one. Yep, he got an incident he got, too. He got a, but I don't know. If, the headline was Chuck Liddell got arrested for domestic violence. Domestic, right. Everybody was running. Oh, this is the third fighter with domestic violence. The follow-up was, story that probably didn't make as much headway was it was actually he got his wife. His wife assaulted him mm-hmm. and the cops. When they arrived to a domestic call, somebody has to go. That's right. They got to remove one of the parties. And Chuck said, I don't want you taking her, even though I was the one assaulted. I'm going to go. That's right. But guess what? The headlines that get spread was he hit her. And not many people are going to hear the follow-up that it wasn't when the, all the dust was settled. So I, 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 I reserve judgment for um, some of these scenarios until all the details come out. And then I'm also very mindful that I may not know all the details ever in my life. So who am I to pass judgment? That question is only for Dana White. You know, has he talked to the police department? Has he talked to John's wife? Um, when I was younger, I was in a situation with cops that a story, got, I got arrested and the story was embellished. And the next day I go to court and I'm like, they read the police report and I'm like, that's not what happened. But the lawyer's like, listen, these cops show up to a scene and they don't know what happened because they weren't there. So they got to kind of put the pieces <laughs> to the puzzle together and try to come up with some sort of semblance of what happened. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. And so I've been subject to a situation that was blown out of control mm. and it was so I, I man, it, you, you, you had a, you asked a thought provoking question cause it's tough, but well, I can well, tell the, you this, you know, if I've been in a situation and I know all the details, I'm not afraid to pull the trigger and do what needs to be done. Um, you know, I gave you one example. I've been in another example where a fighter had a domestic and, and I basically told him, I said, until all the details come out, I'm not asking you to tell me right now, but <clears> until, until it settles the way it needs to settle. And however that may be, um, I can't put you on a fight card until we get that straightened out. So, I, you know, the, I can only give you my two experiences. Right, right. And, and so for me, my thing is, is what it, one of the reasons why it aggravates me is because there's always that fighter that's below that fighter in the rankings that always ends up getting screwed. We remember when John Jones was brought back, and I forget who was next up to have the next big fight, but because they brought Jones back, they pushed him down. And I forget who that fighter was, and it was the same thing with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor decides, I'm going to come out of retirement. I'm coming back. And then I forget yeah. who was the number two or three at that time. That person got moved down. And I'm like, for those guys, that's who I'm thinking about. Because you, you're you in the gym. You're sweating. You're, you're going back and forth. You're spending 8, 10, 12 hours a day to get this shot. And then all of a sudden, guess who comes back? The golden yeah. egg comes back. And now, guess what? Dana's coming to you and saying, hey, I know I promised you this fight. But you're going to have to take a back seat because he's coming back. And now it's like, I, I what the I will say on that note, like... Connor and John specifically, you know, or, or, you know, any fighter or any person that has multiple scenarios, I'll just say as a blanket, take Connor's name or, or John, you having that many scenarios around you happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe one's not true, or maybe one, you get the benefit of the doubt. Right. Two, uh, three, every damn month, something's going on. It's like, <laughs> all right, there's a track record here. You know, it's like I've had friends growing up. It's like, oh, I, I really didn't do anything this time. I'm like, yeah, but the cop remembers you from the five damn times that you did have something happen. Cool. The sixth time you really weren't doing anything, but maybe, uh, you know, but w- w- what do you expect, man? Like, 
with this smoke, this fire, like you have so many scenarios that are bad, so to speak, that are going around you, you're going to get lumped into that. And, and, and Dana, just like the NFL, he'll find, you know, the NFL kind of came up with their new policy when enough was enough and, and the public kind of kicked back. The only way that Dana's going to change it, Connor said it best. He not best, but he said it on, on a tweet the other day. He goes, I'll stop acting the way I do when you stop buying my pay-per-views. Ooh, so see, that, yeah, it's Steve Reeder, referee Steve Reeder, locally, and he's done UFC fights. He says it's all about who sells tickets. And and, in the and, seats. and it's like Conor McGregor. Is he going to stop his actions when all we do is just keep, you know, That's like right. he knows, you know, Tito Ortiz way back in the day said it best. He goes, I want you to feel something about me. If you're indecisive on how you feel as me as a fighter, I didn't do my job. I want you to either hate my guts and see, want to see me get my ass kicked. I want you to love me to see me get, you know, beat. And that's what Connor's is. Connor is. That's why people tune in. That's why Mayweather, they want to see him get his ass kicked. And there's other people that are like, I want to see this guy get the 51 and 0. Like, you need to make them care about you. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it's good actions that make them feel a certain way, and sometimes it's bad actions that lost, make them feel a certain lost way. The, oh, man, you mentioned Mayweather. I lost a lot of respect for him for taking that, that Paul fight, man, and just making a mockery of the box. And I, that that whole thing is a bad taste in my mouth, and I pray that MMA never gets to that friggin' point where we have to make our pay-per-view buys with a set of brothers who were famous on YouTube and everybody's just collecting friggin' checks, man. I think it's just yeah. Horrible. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's a weird way, but unfortunately, it's the world we live in today. Like these people oh. who have twenty million followers for just opening, like my kids. I got five kids. My kids watch these other kids open presents all day, and I'm like, they have twenty million followers. They live in mansions because kids watch them open presents. I'm like, if you have an audience or you have a draw. And tell me if the Paul brothers started their own basketball team that they couldn't sell out an arena. They would. Like, they have followers. The The way of the world nowadays is what your followers are, how many it's people you have crazy. on Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's insane. You know, Keith, you, you've been doing this for a while. And, like, back in the day, they probably talked about how many website clicks you got, yeah. or how many <laughs> how many um, distribution, the newspaper. If you took a newspaper ad, it's like, what's the distribution? Uh, you do radio. It's like, well, what's your listener, your view, you know, your listenership? Nowadays, it's like they don't care about any of that. How many followers you have on Twitter? How many uh, Instagram followers you have? That's the currency right now. Yeah, um, it's insane. It, 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 it's unfortunately the way the world goes. MMA, fun fact, I'm, I'm sure you remember it. We did one little crossover fight that I would say, well, we did the CM Punk fight in MMA, but uh, mm -hmm. whatever. But uh, remember James Tony? He fought our yes. Randy Couture in Boston. In Boston. He fought him in Boston. I was there for that fight. Yeah. That was uh, that was yeah. the uh, Joe Lozon fought on that card and pretty much almost packed the entire house with green shirts uh, for yeah, that did event. Did he fight Gabe Brudiger? Yes, Rudiger, he did. Yeah, that was yep. a great fight, and I believe I believe he took home uh, maybe a submission or a fight night check that night too. I believe that night. Yeah, that was that was that was a good night. That was a good night, and um, I also believe that uh, God rest his soul. Um, police officers, uh, Mr. Gannon was in attendance that night who just recently passed away, but Mr. Gannon was in the attendance of that night and, uh, you know, we yeah. just lost him, um, MMA figure here in the Boston area, but, uh, man, it was a great talk with you, Steve Rita, referee Steve Rita. Thank you for being in the chat. A lot of people in the chat checking out the show. Um, 
I got to let you shout out this event, man, and tell people how they can get tickets. I'm definitely going to be hitting you up. Uh, covering. I want to cover this event for Hoobazoo, so I'll be coming down to check you out for that, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, the fight's next Saturday night, Cage Titans 50. Um, our tagline's been a celebration so big we have to split into two. Uh, we got the day-night doubleheader. Um, you know, from 12 to 4 is the daytime event. It's all our local up-and-coming amateur prospects. We're doing MMA fights and Muay Thai during the day. And then we have a huge pro headliner for that day card. Um, it's Zach DiSabatino, who's 7-2 and two right here out in uh, Marshfield, Mass. And he's taking on Kentucky's Chance Beck, who's 5-1. and one. Uh, the big the big note about this fight is that they're both finishes. I mean, Zach's seven and two. He has six first round finishes. Uh, Chance Beck's five and one. All five fights are finishes. And if you go back to their amateur days, uh, Zach was five and zero oh as an amateur. All finishes. Chance was four and zero oh as a finisher. Uh, as an amateur, all finishes. So these guys come. They come out swinging. They come out hot and heavy. And they rarely go to a decision. One decision between the two of them and their their pro careers. So that fight should be a banger during the daytime card. Um, and then we come back at night, 7.30. It's for the first time ever we're doing an all-pro card. We always do a pro-am event dating back to 2010, but this is going to be an all-pro card for the first time ever for us. Um, you know, in the headliner, Marty Navis, undefeated out of Lausanne, taking on Billy Goff down in Connecticut. Um, Billy was the co-main event in our July card, and he took out Sean Lally. Um, a, a huge upset victory for uh, Goff. And Marty's been undefeated. They call him the Beast. That's his nickname. He's out of Lozon, training on there. They're both guys are trying to get to the UFC. And, and, and a win over the other is not only going to get them the Cage Titans welterweight title, but pr one step closer to maybe a phone call from the UFC. Um, you know, and then you've already mentioned a couple of them. Slippery Pete, Peter Barrett. Um, he's going to be there fighting uh, Hawaiian uh, Spencer Higa. So we got a guy flying all the way in from Hawaii. Nice. Um, Shameless Don Shanus. He's oh, fighting yes. Quentin. Shameless. You know, everybody loves Shameless. Shameless Nation. Uh, he's fighting Quentin Wyland out of ATT out in Orlando. Um, you know, and we got all we got all your favorites. Connor Matthews, uh, Jeff Joy, Cam Arnold. The whole fight card is on CageTitansFC.com, so you can check them out there and also get your tickets. Nice, nice, nice. Mike, I want to thank you for coming on the show here. What we're going to do here before I close out the show and get into my last bit of topics here, um, I want to thank him. I want to thank Michael Noons for coming on with us. We're going to take a quick break. Guys, I got the trailer for Scream. The brand new Scream's coming out January 2022. As I said, this is my special Halloween show. I like to get this show out there every year. Uh, unfortunately, Halloween isn't until like next Monday. And I didn't want to be Halloween after the fact. So I want to thank you for coming on, Mike, hanging out with me. We're going to take a quick break here. Steve Reeder, I see you in the chat. He said, great fight. Here it is. Here's the trailer for the brand new Scream 2022. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much. I'm actually at Coops right now. I don't, I actually, uh, I've since, I've since bought, so it's from back in the day. I've since bought Coops and uh, I, that, yeah, so much, so my best friend owned it for years. And then Nerova COVID, he, he, I was the manager here in Bova COVID. He was going to say, listen, I'm, I'm close. I'm not opening back up. If you want to buy it from me, cool. If not, I'm selling it. So uh, I took over coops of June of uh, last year. So yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. So it's had its ups and downs and uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Cause I had, I was the manager here and then I had case Titans. And when, when uh, COVID hit, I had nothing. 
I had no coops. I had no, I had no cage sighting. So I was like, shit, I got to do something with my life. So there you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, are you in Brockton, right? Perfect. I'll see you. Then I'll see you uh, next Saturday. Are you going to need internet and stuff? Are you going to do like a, a podcast or anything? Because we, I don't know, you haven't been for a little while. So we have a back room where we, every fighter who wins, we bring them to a media room where all the, everybody can kind of interview or ask questions. So um, I'll, I'll show you where that is. So if you need internet or anything like that, we have it all set up for you guys. All right. Good luck with the rest of the show. Later, brother. Have a good one. Thanks. Roddy, come on out from under there. No! Come on. I saw a monster in the closet! There is no such thing as monsters. But I saw it! Jeff, could you come up here? Okay, pal, it's time for bed. There's no such thing as monsters. It's your boy since one broadcasting live from the city of champions i'm back here in the booth with you guys and um <clears throat> i gotta thank all my guests for coming on the show and hanging out with me and chatting but i gotta blow through these topics because uh <clears throat> we got a lot of stuff that i gotta talk about real quick and um let's see here the last thing i talked about was the debate council at large debate and i'm um, ending the homelessness which was going on uh show must go on snoop dogg's mom passed away this weekend and here's the thing about this one snoop dogg's mom passed away he had a show at in boston and um he could have easily canceled the show but he decided to 
do the show, the show must go on, and then at the end of the show, he sang Stand By Me with the crowd that was involved with this show. Um, prayers and blessings go out to his family, much support with him, and um, man, it's a it's a tough one, but I gotta applaud him. Also, in the news booth, uh, Greyhound was acquired by Flix Mobility, Flix Bus, you're gonna be seeing these Flix buses around all over the place, they purchased Greyhound, Greyhound just settled a huge lawsuit for taking Border Patrol agents um, to, and doing illegal sweeps, and they lost. So they've got to pay out this settlement now um, in regards to this lawsuit. Also in the legal booth, uh, Flavor Flav was arrested in Henderson on suspicion of domestic battery. As you guys know, Flavor Flav was the hype man for the rap group Public Enemy. Sad to see this. Um, don't know exactly what happened with the story, but you know what? I just hope this isn't something serious that's uh, going to end up with him in jail for a long term. Also, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dre was served with divorce documents. In order, I guess he owes money for her fees. <clears throat> and the constable served him at his grandmother's funeral in the parking lot. You, you might be getting knocked out. You serving me papers at my my grandmother's? I might be a little bit upset, but if it was my mom or my dad, you get knocked out. You get knocked out. Simple as that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't. I don't. I, I don't wish it on constables, but I know it's a tough job. But damn, <laughs> damn. Uh, heading into the entertainment booth, Adrian Holmes, star of the upcoming Fresh Prince reboot, was involved in the fatal car accident. In California, <clears throat> there was a man actually lying down on the highway, and he actually ran over and struck this man who was lying down on the interstate. Um, I'm pretty sure hopefully he'll be cleared of all charges, and he'll be able to go on with what he needs to do, but man, that's sad. That's a tough one, so I, I don't I don't know. Um, Rust Armor Hannah Gutierrez Reed, she once gave an unchecked gun to an 11-year-old, for those who don't know who Hannah Reed is, if you're familiar with a lot of the action movies and stuff, her dad is Thel Reed. Thel Reed is a guy who is the guy who checks the guns, teaches the safety of the guns, and this and that. This is this Alec Baldwin tragedy is nepotism gone wrong. Um, Hannah Reed had no knowledge or anything new. All she had was her name. She knew nothing about guns. There's several pictures of her not practicing. In this picture, in this one, she's actually practicing trigger safety, but there are a lot of pictures out there of her on the set. Um, <clears throat> she was on another set. They reported that she was loading guns while on the ground, and um, it was a dirt. And anyone knows that if you're not paying attention, you can have pebbles or anything small get into the barrel, and when you go to shoot, you can have a misfire. Because the bullet can get lodged between the pebble that's now in the the barrel and and, and that built bullet if it can't get out because the pellet pellet you know the the its pellet is lodged in there you can have a misfire in the chamber you can have a misfire in the barrel and somebody could get killed somebody could get hurt um, in this case the bullet could split and the piece of the bullet will go every other way because it's not gonna go through hole and get the spin it's gonna come out and hit whoever's nearby so um. This story here is nepotism at its worst. And, you know, it's sad to see that someone lost their life. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins lost her life in this tragic accident that could have been avoided. A lot of people out there who have gun knowledge, um, they can tell you right now, 
the steps were not followed. The steps were not followed. And the actors need to answer. Um, the producer of the film is Alec Baldwin, who may have to still answer for this because you, you, you cut corners. You hire people who don't know their knowledge of weapons. Like I said, you know, she was on, this was only her second film handling firearms on set. Um, when I heard this story, I was taken back to Brandon Lee on the set of Crow. Someone loaded the wrong squib into the firearm. People don't realize this. There's different types of firearm ammo when you're on a movie set. You have ammo that needs to simulate, you know, that needs to simulate actual fire. Uh, Baldwin owns a piece for not checking his firearm. It, and I and I thought the same thing, Mr. Tom McGinty in the chat. I thought the same thing um, when someone. In, in the first rule of when you get your firearm license is that if anybody hands you a firearm, you check it. You always check it. Again, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, he does own a piece of this. He should have checked that firearm when it was handed to him. But if it was handed to him by his armorer, who told him that the firearm was all set. Um, and if he doesn't have that knowledge, like I seen Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves makes sure he does proper training. Keanu Reeves is, is a licensed firearm owner. He, he wants that knowledge. So when he's firing firearms and John Wick and all these movies, he wants to know what he's in. But again, some, some people, actors and actresses, they're there just to shoot the film. They don't, they don't care about those. I think maybe to be honest, you make a good point, Tom. Maybe anybody who's in an action movie or anybody who's in any type of film where they're going to handle guns, I think they should have to pass a license course in firearms. I think Hollywood should make that mandatory. And if that's the case, if anybody who's going to be handling firearms on the set of a film, they're going to know if you're handed a firearm, you're going to check that firearm. Yeah, it's going to add a little bit of time to your shooting um, your shooting times of your film, but at least you're not going to have these tragedies like this happen. It's just a sad, anybody who has a license or anybody who's done any type of training, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure that this story right here, I'm pretty sure that anybody who's going for a license to carry that their gun trainer or whoever's training you for your class to get certified, this story is going to come up. This is a recent story. This story is going to come up in probably every license to carry class across the nation as of this week. I'm pretty sure of it because this could have definitely have been avoided. Um, also, heading into the sports booth, <clears throat> rest in peace, Numi, Bob Newmeyer. I was able to meet him at several of the hot stove events here in Brockton. <clears throat> um Tom McGinty said, hey, I don't buy that. He said, I had the police chief here today, clear the piece, handed it to him, and guess what he did? He handed it back to me, and guess what I did? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the, that's the first thing they tell you. Clear your pieces. Let them know. Um, <laughs> never trust any firearm that's handed to you, period, even if you look at it. We've seen it. I've seen, I seen, I went, when I was going to class for training, um, I saw a video where a police officer shot himself in the leg in a pawn shop. Shot himself in the leg in the pawn shop because he they took it out the case. The gun store owner handed it to him to look at, and he's looking it over and points it down and boom, shoots himself in the leg. Obviously, the pawn shop took the firearm in. They probably never checked the firearm before the pawn person. And look, I've seen it. <clears throat> I've seen it. It's been fast and furious in, in the gun stores with people pawning stuff and, and consigning stuff at the, at the gun shops. 
Um, it's been crazy. It's fast and furious, but hey, you got to take that time to stop and check. So yeah, I, I, I go with you, Tom. Uh, Bob Newmeyer, knew me, passed away 70 years old. Horse racing expert, he died at 70 years old. Congestive heart failure. He was in uh, he was in hospice for like <clears throat> six or seven weeks, I think they said. So sad stuff. And um, my prayers and blessings go to him. Patriots, get it, get it right. Patriots, 54-13 over the Jets. Pick up their first home game. A lot of people saying, yeah, but it's the Jets. Yeah, but you know what, people? It's not easy to drop 50 points on any team. I've had people out there. I have my godson, Kevin. He's like, well, my son could beat the Jets. No, they can't. You can be sarcastic, okay? You can be sarcastic and say that when you're talking. But let's be realistic here. No, your kid's team can't beat the Jets. No, Brockton High can't beat the Jets. It's a grown-ass men professional football team. High school teams and pop one teams aren't beating the Jets. It's not easy to drop 50 points on any team in the NFL on any given day. 50 teams, 50 points is, is a lot of points. I don't care how bad your team is. 50 points is a lot to score. So here's the deal, people. And a lot of people are coming at me and saying that they're still a crappy team. They're not that crappy of a team, people. <clears throat> they're not that crappy a team. And guess what? The AFC East is not really out of the realm of reach for this team. Two of the losses came from NFC teams, Dallas and Tampa Bay. So you've got two NFC losses that, that you have. They still have two games against Buffalo. They've they've now swept the Jets. They've, they'll split with Miami like they always do. I'm pretty sure of it. They're going to split with Miami. And then you have two games against Buffalo, back pretty much back-to-back. You got one game against Buffalo, then they're away, and then they come back and play Buffalo again. Um, that three-game stretch could decide the AFC East, to be honest, depending where they are record-wise. So, again, playoffs is not out the realm, people. So pay attention. Stop stop selling this team short. Um, Biden bombshells as we get ready to close out the show. Biden and Harris, the honeymoon looks like it's over. His, uh, his voter support is... Oh, Terrell Hayes, <laughs> my son, Terrell, is in the chat. He says they're going to get swept by Buffalo. I don't want to start anything because I love my son dearly. I, actually, I love my son for the next. I love my son till Saturday. Come, come Sunday, Halloween Sunday. I don't love my son for that day because the Patriots will be playing his team, the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers out there at SoFi Stadium, which I would love to have gone to and taken him to, but my son don't fly. <laughs> I would have loved to put that money up because I, I was able to take my son to see the Eagles play in Philly, my oldest. And as a dad, if I was able to take my other son to see the Chargers play at SoFi Stadium, that would have just been the ultimate dad thing to take both your boys to see your team play their teams in the same year. That's awesome. Terrell Hayes says, the Bills have always had our number. You're right. You're right. Buffalo Bills have always come in and smacked this team around. Um, but <clears throat> they're they're kind of letting the reins off. Guys are coming back. <laughs> he oh oh wow. Terrell said y'all gonna smoke us as usual. Bill oh Bill has their number. Oh, I was hearing him wrong. My son is actually saying the Patriots are going out to LA and gonna probably beat the Chargers. This is coming right from my son, huge Chargers fan. I don't, I, I'm not looking past the Chargers. I'm not looking past the Chargers. And you may say Bill Belichick has had that team's number, but they don't have Tom Brady. Mac Jones is a good quarterback. He's still learning. He's still coming out of his shell. 
Um, Josh McDaniels is the key to this game. If he keeps improvising and, and opening up this playbook and doing things like he's been doing the last few weeks and not holding back, there's a good chance they could go in there and win this game. But um, it's going to be a good game. I'm going to be happy to watch this. I'm going to be happy to see this. And um, if the Patriots do beat the Chargers, then they're going to be over 500. And uh, they're going to have a good record heading into this next stretch that they've got some very winnable games. Very winnable games. So we'll see. Um, as I was saying in the Biden bombshells, uh, Biden-Harris appearances have plummeted. You don't see these guys pretty much together because uh, the word is, is that she's not happy with his status with the polls. Um, and we'll see. We will see what happens here. We will keep an eye on this. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy with the job that Biden's doing. I was ripping Biden apart for the last two weeks because they were putting out lies in regards to the spin on the numbers, the unemployment numbers, the sale numbers, and all that crap. You know, they were putting that illegal spin, that, that lie out there that it's him and it's not. It's because COVID is opening... COVID's dying down. A lot of people going back to work. So we'll see. Unemployment's going to go back up, though, because we got a lot of people quitting their jobs because of uh, they don't want to take the back. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, guys, my beanies are available. I don't have many left. I got to actually put in an order. Hopefully, I'll get some in before the winter. But I got to thank everybody who's been buying the beanies and supporting me. Great stuff here and there. Um, also, check out the podcast, Oscar Mike Radio, Maddie C Sports for You and Me. Happy Hour with Lido. Talk Back with Gloria Shea. Who I saw Maddie. Maddie was actually in the chat. So Maddie, thanks for hanging out, tuning in the show with us. And again, Cage Titans 50 is coming up next weekend. Double header down in Plymouth at Memorial Hall. Mike. Mike, Paul Vare, thank you for coming on the show. Hanging out with me tonight. Good stuff. My son just said, no beanies, go hoodies. Uh, you know what? I got a lot of women in my chat about the hoodies. So maybe I'll go with hoodies this winter. Maybe I will go with the Sinister One beanies and for next year and, and do hoodies for this year. Operation Hope on the home front. I'm going to be DJing this event on November 20th. It's to raise awareness for PTSD. And um, it's I think it's like $20 a ticket, $22 a ticket for a good cause. Make sure to come on out. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Again, um, Vian Marie's music available on all music streaming outlets. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Counselor at Large candidate Michael Nunes came on the show. Election is actually next week, November 2nd. We got to get out there and vote. I seen Tito out there. I seen Keith was out there. Gary Keith Sr., he was out there. And um, I think that's about it. I think I got to get ready to get out of here and get some food. And um, SpongeBob, do me a favor. Can you take us home? Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and Hatcherradio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, meh. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss 
those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, and y'all think I'm playing. And I gotta hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing, cause I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that bitch, like I'm my own now. I get hard, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's who is it I come Enter your website, enter your website, enter your website, enter your website